This felt like a, not just that Georgia was better than Georgia Tech, but almost as if Georgia had solved Georgia Tech in a certain way. And I think that would be what was most demoralizing for me about Georgia Tech is realizing I don't know what the exit strategy for this not happening every year from now on would be. At the beginning of the 2018 college football season, many University of Georgia football fans anticipated an ever-so-slight drop-off from the SEC championship-winning and national runner-up team of 2017. And, of course, the complete script of this year's team, it's yet to be written. But taking a step back after the completion of the regular season, one would have to get pretty nitpicky to find the flaws of this team compared to the special team of Nick and Sony, Lorenzo Carter, and Davin Bellamy. With back-to-back 11-win regular seasons, the Dogs are in the same position that they were in last year. Win the SEC championship, get to the playoffs, and see what happens. I think that's worth a bit of celebration. Not a long celebration, maybe a day, day and a half, but a celebration nonetheless. Hey there, my name is Scott Duvall, and you're listening to episode 166 of the Wait and Since Last Saturday podcast. Georgia imposed its will on a hapless Georgia Tech team at Sanford Stadium on Saturday, winning 45-21. to This is our quick, clean, old-fashioned hate recap show. My co-hosts, Will Leach and Tony Waller, walk you through their thoughts on how the dogs thoroughly took the game and possibly the eternal hope from Georgia Tech fans on any victories in this matchup in the foreseeable future. So sit back and relive all the highlights with Tony and Will. Here's episode 166. Forty-five to twenty-one. We apologize for a little bit of the feedback on this episode. We don't have Scott. I'm sure he'll clean it up and make it sound wonderful and make both Tony and I uh, sound melodious. Scott is not here. It's just me and Tony. Forty-five twenty-one. Georgia wins. We'll talk about our post-game show <laughs> after uh, after we talk about the game. I don't know uh, if this game tells me anything about how Georgia's going to play against Alabama, but I feel like I don't have to worry about Georgia Tech again for a very very long time. Well, I think the the numbers you need to keep in mind uh, were the total yardage at the end of the first half, three forty three to sixty six. Georgia outrushed them, outrushed them in the first half by more yards than they rushed in the game. And you know, whatever finger cross and squinting, however you want to say it, Tech fans were looking at this thinking there was a path to victory for Georgia Tech. Uh, and frankly, we were worried about that path also quickly dissolved into fits of delusion, I guess the right way of looking at it, when you look up after, what, four minutes into the game, two drives essentially for Georgia, well, I guess a little more than four minutes, and we were up 14 to nothing. And, you know, the kick return made it interesting for that three minutes, but that was it. When you thoroughly dominate your in-state opponent and essentially beat them with their own game, you know, that's – I understand why people don't like playing Georgia Tech – I remain in the camp that whenever you take away hope from Georgia Tech, an angel gets the wings. I am okay with uh, playing Georgia Tech every year if it's going to be like this. You know, this is you've, – you've heard all of these stories about how because of the loss two years ago, which was I think maybe – Maybe Vanderbilt, maybe the Vanderbilt loss is the worst loss of the Kirby Smart era, but I think Georgia Tech is right there, the one from two years ago. And it felt like after that game, 
Kirby Smart and the coaching staff clearly said, okay, that is not happening ever again. And there's all the stories about how they always do a little bit, they, they, they do a little bit of setting the triple option every single practice out all season. And you saw it. Like there was nothing for them to do. It was definitive pretty much across the board. I know that Georgia Tech didn't complete a pass what, until the third quarter. Uh, and then the fourth quarter had its own kind of junk to it. But this was in every possible way. If you were to watch this game, watch the first three quarters of this game, you'd have thought they were, I was going to say Nichols, but you would think they were playing Murray State or Austin P. This felt, or the Citadel, nay. Uh, like, it felt like Georgia Tech had no business being on the same field as Georgia. It's worth noting, this is a seven-win Georgia team, Georgia Tech team. This is not a terrible Georgia Tech team. This is one of the better teams they've had in a while, and it just felt like Georgia had an answer for them at every single point. Well, it's clear that coaching-wise, talent-wise, scheme-wise, uh, all the wises, uh, Georgia is better than Georgia Tech is. I, and I don't, I don't say that now. I, as a now statement, I mean across the board and definitively so. You know, I'm perfectly fine if they give Paul Johnson a lifetime contract because, you know, he, when you can do this to um, – a team that, that came in with some hope that they were going to somehow shock the world. And frankly, I, again, I'm, I'm not afraid to admit that those demons bothered me even until yesterday morning just because, well, the 2018 football season has been bereft of shocking games, right? It, there's been, it's been total chalk, uh, or nearly total chalk across the board. Um, and, and, you know, this had the potential of being one of those games where it just throws everything into chaos. And, Frankly, even if you stayed with to watch the LSU uh, Texas A&M game, that's the closest thing to excitement uh, that we've had, at least on the SEC side of the football schedule, all season. And I like being in a place where it's cool we get to play Georgia Tech. It's cool we get to show that we run the state. It's also cool that we get to move on with our our lives and bigger and better things. And Georgia Tech's left to ruminate about what if, and I can't wait to beat them again one day. Yeah, uh, Scott had a piece on the WSLS podcast uh, site this week about kind of going off our idea of the of the Mad Men. Uh, what do you think about us? We don't think about you at all. Uh, and this felt like the definitive notion of that, right? Like this, this was the style of a revenge tour blowout without the passion, <laughs> if that yeah. makes sense. Like this felt like a, oh yeah, just so you know, we stomp you every year now, and that's just the way this is going to work from now on. It would be hard for me to if i to if you put yourself in the mindset of a georgia tech football fan to think that like wait this is like, I don't know how you can watch this game because this is what Georgia Tech does, right? Like, this is one of their above average teams, not one of their absolute best teams, but one of their better ones. To see this and realize, oh, why would I want to go through this every Thanksgiving weekend into perpetuity? Because this felt like a not just that Georgia was better than Georgia Tech, but almost as if Georgia had solved. Georgia Tech in a certain way. And I think that would be what would most demoralizing for me about Georgia Tech is realizing I don't know what the exit strategy for this not happening every year from now on would be. Yeah, I think that that's probably the best way to put it is like you don't, I mean, you get to a point where as a, a Tech fan, you have to think, okay, are, are we cool being uh, a bowl team, a team that if we get the right combination of quarterback, decent defense, and A and B back, we can pull off some shocking upsets and maybe catch up to a Georgia team that, that is down just a little bit because I still think we're down just a little bit compared to what we were last year. 
in what we probably will be for the next couple of years. Yeah, uh, this this feels like the, if there were a chance to get him, it would be now, and they did not get Georgia at all. Uh, looking at the Georgia offense, this felt like, again, you talk about how much more rushing yards Georgia had than Georgia Tech, but you know, this was... It was funny to think how nervous – nervous is probably too strong of a point. But during the LSU game, what Fromm has done since then – he's obviously made the big throws, and there was a great fromm Broner throw uh, in this game. Like, he is the quarterback – he's a sophomore, man. Like I said, he's a true sophomore, and he feels like that senior quarterback that's been around a ton and isn't going to make huge mistakes and actually can also make the perfect throw when he needs to. There was one – there was one – I think that – was it the second touchdown or the third touchdown where he – I think that he threw to like his fourth read like yeah, he had yeah. like several guys and he's like and just to watch a quarterback that young be like nope 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 there it is and hit it I mean that, that's what he may not have the physical tours of a tag live or even a fields but man having a guy that can do that is absolutely invaluable like I think whatever it was we saw in the LSU game was a cascading series of um I guess, I guess pressure points that, that Fields felt like he had to do something outside of what his normal game is. And I'm not about to call him a game manager because he is obviously far more than that. Uh, we've seen that with his arm strength time and again, his decision-making time and again. I mean, you know, we – if you would have asked me if Aaron Murray was going to play a long time in the NFL, I would have said, yeah, so I'm not real great at making these decisions. But I certainly think – um, I certainly think Jack Fromm is going to get a long, long look in the NFL because not only does he combine the physical tools, which we frankly haven't seen much of after we decided in the LSU game that we needed to go back and start being the team we were last year, um, that when, when you put the ball in Jake Fromm's hands, I mean, I, I, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get to the Alabama game in uh, our, our podcast this week, but it doesn't scare me to put the game in his hands, and there's very few teams across the nation that can say that. Yeah, and it was, you know, there were so many kind of across-the-board, comfortable little moments uh, in this that it was nice to have a, oh, we could leave at halftime if you wanted to. Well, we didn't. We had a great time. It was, it was also, it was cold, but not too cold. I thought it was a comfortable cold. Uh, I didn't think it was too bad. The crowd was, it was wet. It was rainy. The tailgate crowd was not quite what you would necessarily expect. Just walking on the way to the game, you wouldn't see that crew. But I have to say, I thought the noise of the stadium was pretty good. I felt like Georgia Tech uh, had to call a couple timeouts because because the fan was so loud. For all the talk of why, oh, this is just a yawn game for the fans. I actually thought the fans showed up pretty solidly, which was good because it is the last time uh, until Murray State next year that we get to uh, actually watch a game between the hedges. Yeah, and uh, you know, the, to, I would give a, a huge props to the fans that, that came out. Um, it wasn't jam packed full, but I would say a solid eighty eight to ninety thousand fans were there. The the six hundred level was mostly full, um, and not of tech fans. The student section was mostly full, at least until we scored the fifth touchdown. Um, so, and yeah, that's just, it was a comfortable cold. That's Midwestern as hell to say, uh, but you know, whatever. It, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't unbearable. Uh, it wasn't unbearable, even though it was damp. Uh, but you know, it, it. I got actively sad this morning when I went back, was looking through some pictures, and posted something on Instagram uh, about the game. I was like, oh, this is the last game. This is the last time we get to go on campus and watch football in Sanford Stadium until April. We, you know, we're gonna miss this. And, 
a few weeks. So um, it was a it was also fantastic to see all the seniors get out and get recognized. I don't know if you paid attention to this, but no juniors got recognized. Which <laughs> usually, if you're recognizing juniors, they've told the coach they are they're making some decisions about stuff, and that doesn't mean they they won't make those decisions. But you gotta think what that bodes for next year even though we still have at least two football games to play. Yeah, uh, yes, and I don't want to talk about the one the next week yet. We have a whole big podcast to do this week to, to discuss that, and it uh, and I know it's hard not to do that because it feels like basically for a month now it's all been, okay, so Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> like it's basically been like that for a month, and I get it, and I understand that, but I do think... Like this is what the I think this is the fifth time in school history Georgia's been eleven and one. I mean Georgia's eleven and one, guys. Yeah. <laughs> it feels yeah. weird to be like, okay, well, I, I I don't I don't feel like yet we should be at Georgia's regular season is like the Warriors' regular season. Like it doesn't matter. All that matters is what they do. Like eleven and one, it's awesome. And I'm I'm gonna write about this uh, for 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 the site this week about this kind of just the oddity of this season and the fact that like this has been a historical breakthrough season that has put them in the exact same spot that they were last year at this time and it still feels like a yeah well you better and, and I, I want there to be like there should be some legitimate excitement and I, I thought last year's Georgia Tech game was fun this felt like a good arm strike kicked back and just kind of enjoy stopping these guys this is an awesome season and I feel like we'll talk about this in the in the uh, in the in the preview podcast but uh, I hope people can appreciate that a little bit yeah and I think you're missing out if you no matter what happens next Saturday if you don't sit back and enjoy kind of the the quality of the football we've seen. If you've been a, a Georgia fan essentially since the start of the Rick era, um, we've seen some pretty good football teams. We've seen um, uh, until until Kirby until like the end of 2016. We saw some okay football teams. We saw at least one team that was um, underachieved in a very bad way, uh, and turned out you know the one losing season Rick had. We saw maybe one great football team under Rick. Well, for the past two football seasons, we've seen two great football teams play between the hedges. We're you know, undefeated since that last tech loss. And two years ago at home, we're undefeated at home, um, what, 23 and three or something like that over that span. Um, did I do the math right there? I had to, sure. right? Yeah, sure. So, uh, sure, well, let's go with that. Look, if you, honestly, if you can't sit back and appreciate exactly how fun this is, regardless of what happens next week, in regards to how the season has felt, call your Southern Cal buddies and ask them how they feel today. <laughs> uh, or, or any number of programs. Um, we get suckered into, because we live to the close proximity of the monster to the West, of uh, thinking that this is something that could be sustainable for 10 plus years. And it might be. We don't know that yet, and we won't know that until the history is written. But we got to sit back and enjoy this because it's really rare. And, and the cool part about it to me is because of the monster to the West, we get to kind of fire the radar and it's not like this big thing, capital T thing. We just get to be fans of a really good football team. And this is fun. Speaking of things that are fun, transitions, segues. How about that party? We had a party a after the game. I really yeah. appreciate everyone coming out. You know, Will, I, you, you kept saying, look, if we had something, probably more people would come. And I was like, yeah, I think some people will come. I was expecting that turnout. And we had people from Chicago and Charlotte and Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And just, you know, uh, people that you know, people I've known for 25 years or 15-plus years, uh, former students. And I was just really happily surprised everybody came. It was a great scene. I just really appreciate everyone taking the time. It it does mean the world to me, and I've expressed this sentiment before. To me, this is just me and a couple of buddies having a couple of drinks and talking football. 
I'm glad other people enjoy it too. It was really fun, and uh, you know, I said we had a thing a couple of years ago, and I think it was because it was after the loss that it was a long day. And again, we have a lot more listeners now than we did two years ago. Uh, it was not really well populated last time. It was well populated this time. Like this was really great. I got to meet so many people in such a good time. Uh, I think uh, I don't think I don't know if anyone had more fun than my son, who just got to sit with the Georgia program Subway sandwiches and uh, the the Iron Bowl in front of him. He was just and every once in a while someone would go and check on me, be like, "I'm fine. I'm watching the game. Leave me alone." And same for y'all. Yeah, so yeah, it was it was a great time. I really had. Uh, I will talk. I will talk about this in the preview show uh, a little bit. But I, I really just kind of the day after, really just wanted to thank everyone for coming out because it was really an awesome time. I really did not. Uh, I, I I know I should be surprised. Uh, I should be a little surprised with this because the three of us are such dicks. But like everyone was so nice. Everyone was so nice. Everyone was so friendly. And uh, it was just cool to meet everybody. I really had a great time. So thank everyone for coming out. I can see this being a every two-year thing, right? Like every, every sure. year after the Georgia Tech game uh, in Athens, probably won't do it in Atlanta, but every year in Athens, I, I like the idea because I thought it was really fun and I was, I was really glad everybody came out. Yeah, and I really appreciate Scott, all the work he does on the back end to make us the, the anti-filter he puts uh, yes. all this through. Just kind of wipe that up. So we, thanks, Scott. Anti-filter. That feels like a like a, sex, a a segment of a dating app or something. Um, <laughs> really? Uh, um, anyway, so, um, okay. Uh, uh, well, otherwise, we will be back uh, for the big preview show because now, now all of that precursor stuff is out of the way. It is, in fact, now. Alabama week, and we have a lot to dig into there. Uh, otherwise, 11 and 1, very fun time. Tony, go dogs. Go dogs. And thanks so much for listening. And I'd also like to thank each and every one of you who joined the three of us yesterday at the Waiting Since Life Saturday podcast meetup in downtown Athens after the game. I really enjoyed meeting each and every one of you, and especially hearing how you discovered our show and the stories about what it means to you and how it fits into your podcast listening schedule. One guy told me he listens to us in the shower. And you know what? That's awesome. I listen to podcasts in the shower. I'd never thought of that. But, uh, you know, it's that type of story and interaction with fans that uh, really was truly humbling. And it just means a lot to me. And I know it does to Will and Tony. So thanks so much. And the three of us will be back early this week because it's Bama, Georgia, part two. It's the same team, same place. Well, they played it back in January, but it's for a different prize. All the games this time of year carry a huge importance. And if the dogs want to continue to get that elusive national championship, step one is at the Benz on Saturday to win the SEC. I'm excited. I know you are. I really know that Tony and Will are because they've had their hotel rooms booked for Atlanta for months now. How's that for confidence? If you have any questions or comments about the game, send them to us via Twitter at WSLS Podcast. And one last thing, make sure to check out WSLSpodcast.com. I wrote a piece last week that Will referenced in the show, thank you, Will, about how Georgia fans view Georgia Tech or Georgia Tech fans or basically how they view Georgia Tech as a whole. I'd love it if you'd go check that out. I'll link it in the show notes page of this episode. And bigger news for the website, Will, a man who writes for New York Magazine, has authored four books and has his own show on Sports Illustrated and many other accolades. Will is going to publish his first article on WSLSpodcast.com this week. So keep your eyes out for that. It should be out sometime Monday or Tuesday. So look for it. And that'll do it for this episode. Dogs win 45-21 over the Jackets. We'll see you on campus. And as always, go dogs. Okay, so it's JT and W here, more preferred as Jack and Walker. And we are here to recap our thoughts of what we thought about the Georgia-Georgia Tech game. So to start us off, 
I one big breakout play I saw was Miko Hardman's really, really long catch down the field because Jake Fromm threw a beautiful ball to Miko Hardman, and that was a really, really good standout play. Also, to add on to that, the defense. They were really, really outstanding in the game because they played like an Alabama defense. And so I think just because of that game, I think we have the skill and the power and the motivation to beat Alabama. And going back to the uh, Michael Hardman touchdown catch, I'm pretty sure that was right the drive after the Tech, uh, what is it called? Kickoff return. The kickoff return for a touchdown. For a touchdown. And I think that just really showed Georgia Tech up, and I think that the whole stadium enjoyed and had a good laugh about that because they had just scored. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to make sure we could prove our point and show that we are the upper dog. Literally the big brother. The big brother. (laughs) And so one thing I was concerned about for Georgia Tech was the fourth and sixth play. Paul Johnson, I know he was trying to gamble for it, but he went on on fourth and six, and that was not good because they should have punted it. But anyway, I like that play. (laughs) Yeah, they were on our 50-yard line, I'm pretty sure. And you would want to punt it. Any sensible coach would punt it, except for Paul Johnson. <laughs> and also, I think our running backs did really good in the game. Holyfield, Superman, um, extend the arms out to get the touchdown. That was really good. We had a lot of good just, <laughs> just touchdowns overall. And I think I read somewhere that, the, that Georgia's scout team played the Tech offense better than the Tech offense. Like, what I'm trying to say is the Georgia players who were on the scout team practiced uh, Tech's offense and played a scrimmage against the Georgia team, and I think they played the triple option better than Tech did. Yeah, that's that's really good. And so the atmosphere was one thing. It's it's always loud in here. It's always loud in Sanford Stadium. It's just a really nice atmosphere to be in. It's not like most stadiums that are just like, oh, go team or go go so and so. Yay! But uh-huh. I mean, I I love the atmosphere. I love the people's energy to the Georgia Bulldogs. Yes. And Jack, do you want to add anything? Uh, even when it's cold, wet, yeah. and rainy. Georgia fans still show up, and they still scream their hearts out for their beloved Bulldogs. Mm -hmm. And we're going to sign off by saying, Go Go Dogs!